when we talk about tactics, right, or ways that we can kind of win friends, influence people, it, it might sound a little weird. It might even sound a little bit slimy, like like non inauthentic. But the reality is that it, it's just very intentional. Uh, these are natural ways that we build any kind of relationship that's, again, whether it's friendship, dating, business, marriage, these are great ways to honor and, and reverence a person that is made in the image and likeness of God. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're answering the question, how do I build a better relationship with my pastor? Hey, John. Ty, as always, it's a pleasure. To be back in the saddle. <laughs> I'm going to surprise you one of these times with an actual saddle. Your wife <laughs> will be very even... upset with me. <laughs> I wouldn't even know. She's, no, she's going to say, where's the horse? <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, as we're recording this, we just put my, my kids to bed and I can hear my son um, doing the run around. <laughs> and so if, if, if the listeners hear a bunch of do, 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 do in the background, that's just my son running around upstairs. So hopefully uh, we can talk around that. <laughs> but I, I, I got some uh, listener feedback in the, in the sense of the kind of the algorithm or the analytics in the background. Last episode, I said that our most listened to episode was the one on parishioner engagement and, and kind of changing the culture of your parish. And so I thought, well, I better double check and see if that's still true. Turns out, episode, well, I don't remember what the number is, but the episode on getting parishioners more engaged is our fourth most listened to episode. Do you want to know what the top three are? I would love to know. It's fascinating because they're topics that I wouldn't have necessarily expected as far as the most listened to episodes. But number three, the number three most listened to episode is how do we work better as a parish team? So I expected that one to be up there somewhere. Number two was how do we have better meetings? That's something that, you know, everybody wants to know how to have better meetings. And number one, though, this was really surprising to me, was the episode on budgets. What Ooh. if it's not in the budget? <laughs> I didn't expect that to be our most listened to topic. But what that tells me is, it is something important for parishes, and I know, you know, every parish I've been on, there's always the talks about, well, how do we get parishioners to give more, because then we can do more programs, and so I'm, I'm sure it is on our parishioners' minds, or on our on our listeners' minds, on our Catholic ministry professionals' minds, but if uh, if that's something that you're interested in, why don't you guys go ahead, we have an email you can you can reach out to us at now, it's catholicminpros, catholicmin, short for ministry, pros, short for professionals. So catholicmenpros at gmail.com. Shoot us a message. Let us know what topics you'd like to know about, or if you've got a story you want to share, or even just some feedback on a specific topic or something that we said that was helpful and even fruitful for you that you were able to implement in your ministry. We'd love to hear from you. But yeah, those are the top four. That's interesting. I would have thought that based off of the feedback that I've received, I think the culture one was the most 
like sought after. But numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. And they're they are important. I mean, they they really do matter because especially in this time where we see parishes closing, there's a good chance that if your parish is in the black, right? If your books look good, if people are tithing and you can afford to have programming for people, you can afford to keep the lights on, you can afford heat and cooling. If you can afford all those things, your parish is probably more likely to stay open. So they they do matter and they're they are important for the mission of Jesus Christ in order to be able to reach people because again, there's no parishioners. If, if there's no money in the budget, there's not much that can be done. Yeah, and it says a lot, or it said a lot when you'd mentioned you got to put your money where your mouth is. So if you're not, if you're saying you want to bring in new parishioners, if you want to keep the the young adults, you know, alive in this this parish, so to speak, their spiritual life thriving, you got to put money towards it. Yeah, and there honestly, I would think. I would think one of the things that does cause me, I don't know if consternation or anxiety or whatever it is, but there are, there is an upcoming number of Catholic ministry professionals. You know, back in the day, they didn't necessarily have college tracks, university tracks that were preparing people for professional ministry. People felt called into it. They've got invited into it. Um, you know, there were certificate programs that you could get. You know, I know my mom had had to do all these certifications through the certification through the diocese back in the day. Um, but they nowadays you have diverse university programs that you can go through. You can, you know, it's just an actual education, university education that you can go to and get. And so that kind of ups the ante. Like these are professionals who paid for an education and then have a skill set that they want to get paid to use in the, in the context of ministry, in the context of the church. But that does mean that there's a better, bigger conversation going on as to what is a living wage that is appropriate to that level of work and that level of education. So again, it is, it's, a, it's an important topic. I just was surprised to see how popular it was. My only question is, and you brought up your mother, I want to know how many times she's listened to each of those four episodes. <laughs> and can we get her as a host? Mama Khan's just listen to it on repeat to help the algorithm. <laughs> yep. I, I want her on here as a host to help, you know, guide the conversation. You and know, she's not a host, just a guest, just one time. <laughs> she so she works, she's a, a DRE in the diocese of Winona, Rochester, and that was pretty big news that they got um, Bishop Barron was assigned to their diocese. And so I know she was really excited about that. And I keep telling her, she's just got to, every chance she gets, she needs to kind of slide the Catholic ministry professionals episodes his direction. <laughs> so hopefully, I don't know, maybe we can, if we get her on, maybe we can get him on, you know? <laughs> well, if well, Pam's doing it, then. <laughs> we'll have our people talk to your mom's people and her people can talk to you. Bishops. It, <laughs> well, let's see what we can get done. I'll start playing that angle. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So shout out to all the DREs out there. If you're listening, let's let's help each other out. Share this episode. Share any of those episodes that you felt was uh, striking to your position. It really helped the algorithm out. Well, and yeah, and even the feedback for us, it does help us to know what you want to. To, to hear about or talk about. Um, so yeah, how, let, let's dive into the, the topic with a little bit of a story though. Um, 
And when we look at how do I build a better relationship with my pastor, I mean, it you might be working in a Catholic school or some other ministry. And so you don't necessarily have to take this as specifically your pastor, but building a better relationship with your boss. And I think this can be helpful, you know, whether your your boss is really like on top of things and micromanaging you, or if your boss is a little more aloof. In either case, there's probably a desire to build a little more rapport there so that you can begin moving the needle forward and give yourself a little more freedom in your ministry and in your work. And the, the story that came to mind and I kept thinking about as, as I was preparing for this episode was my first job. And in that position, I was in a Catholic school. My actual boss was the principal, obviously. He was the one who hired me. And uh, it, But we were in a unique situation where I had this sister, this awesome nun, Sister Catherine Easley. Shout out to her. Um, she was my direct supervisor. And it was a really unique position. It was kind of created for her in a lot of ways because the the school desired to have a religious presence on campus. But beyond that, I mean, she was just a rock star. You know, she was on boards for the Catholic hospital in town and like kept them in line. <laughs> she was just a rock star and did, did a lot. She brought a lot of personal value to the community as well, kept us on the straight and narrow. And, and so many people, she was just a, a lovely person. People confided in her. Again, just just a wonderful person. So I got, you know, it was great to work with her. Um, she, you know, over time understood who I was. We had a great working relationship. She understood over time I was able to show her where my priorities were. And even if they were different from hers, she had at least, we had gotten to a point where I had gained her trust. And so if I, I, I could act without necessarily having to have her sign off on every little thing. And this gave me so much more freedom in my work. And you know, with greater freedom. I mean, there comes greater joy because I felt like I was truly responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, what God was calling me to do in my work versus responding to her vision for the program or the things that she, you know, would have probably wanted to push her down. So, you know, we had a great working relationship, but something weird happened in that she was ready to retire in a number of years and and, and then she left. And when she left, all of a sudden, I realized how much I had leaned on her as kind of a go between me between me and my actual boss. And I, I hadn't really taken the time to cultivate a working relationship with my actual boss, with the principal. And so I'm as I look back, I was trying to think, well, what was the first real conversation that I had with him? And they would have been once a year we sat down and had kind of a review of the year and looking forward. But outside of that, I think our first conversation beyond just one of those personal reviews. Uh, I think we were talking about the X-Men movies, and it was the first time that I looked at this guy and I was like, oh, he's like a real person. He's not just my boss, you know, but it was the first time that I had ever really gone to any lengths to to cultivate a, a conversation, to cultivate a, a rapport with him, any type of, of working relationship, because I just had such a close, natural, working direct report that was in that place, and, th- and that's good, and there's there's reasons why they have that, and all organizations are different and times that that's appropriate, but there was a real void that was left when Sister Catherine retired. And so when I came after she left to directly approach him with an idea, literally just it was about implementing discipleship in a deeper way in the school and in the program, it just didn't, it didn't land well because we had never, we had never got, had the time to discuss and kind of learn how each other spoke and the the language and kind of have this common 
idea and driving force and mission that we were kind of united on, this vision that we understood in one another. And either way, it, it made it tough for me to really sell him new ideas because I just hadn't taken that time to build up that relation of trust where he could just really be- know and understand and trust where I was at to say, yes, John, I know you. I know what you're capable of. I know your goals. I, I get the direction. I trust it. Go ahead. Um, and and so, you know, there are other pieces like I, I had never learned how to put together a real presentation, <laughs> you know, to kind of actually present it. Because at one point he said to me, well, you know, run the numbers and tell me what it's going to cost and we can go from there. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> it just was like a weird conversation. So anyway, that's what where I was when I didn't take the time to build that that stronger relationship, working relationship with my boss. And, uh, you know, that that probably would have been something that that I could have done, that I should have done. It was something that as a new professional, I just, nobody was telling me to do this stuff. It, it was kind of an oversight on my part. But I do find, and I do believe, and it has been my experience then, that when I left there, I was like, this is something I'm going to nail in my next positions. I'm really going to work on building those relationships so that I can have my boss's trust, so that I can operate in the way that I feel called, that I believe God has uniquely gifted me to. But it starts with building that relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is very crucial in sales or in the, the arena of sales to really know and trust the people that are around you. Um, I've worked in very toxic sales environments. The car dealership is one of them. Whether you're selling somebody something, whether that's an idea or a, a large you know, ticket item like a car or a house, they want to be able to trust you in order for any transaction to happen. And that transaction could be like, dude, I, I want to give you my trust but I don't know you from Adam. I don't know anything about you. Uh, the only interactions I have with you is business. So wh- who cares? Like I, I could see you do a hundred um, real estate transactions, but if I don't know who you are as a person, I don't want to do anything with you. I don't want to get to know you, but like you and your first boss, like X-Men movies, like that's pretty awesome. I enjoy it. You enjoy it. Or it could be you see them uh, out of like your normal business attire and all of a sudden they're wearing like a Led Zeppelin shirt. You're like, holy crap, I love Led Zeppelin. You know, one of the things for me, it's no secret to my friends and family, I love golf. Like the minute you start talking golf, even if I hate your guts, we can we can have a discussion. Like that's common ground. That's sacred ground for me. Like if you... <laughs> If you want to talk golf, that's going to get me more perked up than anything. And then on top of it, if you're speaking my language, oh man, what a, what a treat, right? That's what I think gets to the point of what you're talking about is you, you just got to find the humanness in your boss. Cause right now they, they don't see that in you and you don't see it in them. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be intimidating. And I, I 100% get that because that person is responsible for hiring and firing you, right? They, they have that power, so it can be intimidating. But the reality is they're a person just like you, and, and you can approach a person, you know, and, and the pastors are no different. Your bosses are no different. And that threshold of trust is huge. You know, we've talked before, 
there's so many, part of the reasons we're doing this podcast is there are so many connections between good practical business principles and sharing the faith, running a church. I mean, there, there's so many there's so many parallels there that just line up. And that threshold of trust, that's that's key. That's the the first threshold to conversion. And so, you know, realizing that there may be times where you have to convert your boss to th- seeing things in a new way, trying things in a new, going a new direction. Because remember, right? What's the Lord doing? A new He's thing. doing a new thing. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Right, so here's, if I could go back. So for the rest of this uh this episode, the content. Here's three things that I really wish I would have done. Three things that you can begin to do now. And as we as we move on, what we're really looking at, um, we're out of defining the framework, and we're going to look at how each of the topics we bring up, how the framework of the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast, just those ideas of doing having better conversations, doing better work, and becoming a better leader, how those directly apply to any any particular situation you're you're facing and give you a framework for developing a plan of action that you can then fulfill and move forward and hopefully and what you'll see is bear more fruit in your work because of it. So here's three things that I would have done differently. Um, if I could go back, I would have refined my vision statement. I would have come up with a really clear statement to let him know where we're going and why so that, he, that when I come in and I say, hey, this is something I'm considering doing, then he can easily get on board with it and say, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And even if he he wasn't on board with it, it at least gives us a point to begin having a real conversation about the direction of the program and how we can build that intentionally together. The second thing I would have done is I would have asked for a one-on-one standing meeting with him once a month, once a week, you know, whatever it is. So just so that I could have that ongoing conversation for building the program so that we could build a greater rapport, but ultimately a greater trust in one another so that we could so that I could have more freedom in my job and in my work. Um, the last thing I would have done is I would have I would have more intentionally prayed and fasted for him. This is not this is not something I really thought about back then, uh, but it would have helped me to to grow in love, which is the foundation for all Christian relationships. And St. Paul says this love covers a multitude of sins. So again, times where we're at odds and don't necessarily agree on the vision Love covers a multitude of sins. It's a, it's a bridge. It helps us to grow and it transforms us. So we'll dig into these a little deeper here. Um, that first one, refining my vision statement. This is that first pillar, having better conversations. We need to make sure that our work finds its source and its fulfillment in Jesus. Right? We need to discern God's will for our work, his vision for our program, so, and then we find a way to communicate so that when we communicate this vision, we can say, I believe this is God, this is where God is leading us. It allows us to communicate with clarity, with transparency. And, and when we share it then with others, it creates the opportunity for those necessary conversations that move the vision forward. So if I could have gone in when I wanted to transition things into more of a discipleship pathway, and I had said, I want to do this because I want our people to know Jesus. I, I want to create ways for us to build up those those necessary conversations with our people, right? That would have hope maybe given us more of a, a ground, I guess a solid ground, a common ground that we could at least move that discussion forward. And if you need to, you know, just to revisit episode number two um, to get a refresher on 
crafting your own vision statement, I, I really encourage you to do that because we tried to lay out very clearly how you can look at what God is calling you to do and how you can then take that and transition that into a vision statement and cast a vision for the people around you. Again, it lets people know where you're going. It lets them know why you're going there. And it's a lot easier for them to get on board with new ideas and why you're trying new things. It also gives them an opportunity to respond. And, and our, our bosses might even, they might even resonate and go, oh yeah, like I, I like that. I'm on board with that. And, and I'm not kidding. I've done this in every parish I've been in. And you get a year out from like starting in those positions and I've been casting vision. And I kid you not, my pastors always have started to use that language in our team meetings to describe things that they want to see done. It is a very powerful way to build rapport, build common language, and build a better relationship with your pastor, with your boss. Um, the, the, the second one then, right? Doing better work, asking for that one-on-one -on -one meeting, right? The meetings fall under that second pillar of the framework. And um, this former boss, he had regular reviews and meetings with the teachers because he had to go in and he had to watch them work, watch them teach, and give them feedback. And this was a natural built-in element of their professional working relationship. It was not the same for me because I was I was not a teacher. I was a campus minister. And so if I had asked for a one-on-one -on -one meeting, it just, again, it would have given us, for even for 15 or 30 minutes, it would have given us that regular contact that he had with the other staff that then established a little more of a working professional relationship where he could do that so one of the benefits is that you, you're going to learn how your, your, your pastor ticks. Like you're going to learn how he thinks a little bit and kind of that normal rhythm of how he views the parish life. And that's beneficial, right? And, and this is any area of the parish that you might work in. For example, you, you might not be in the formation side of things. You might be in the financial area of the parish. And so you actually really need father to like sit down because you're always chasing him down for signatures on, yeah, at the last minute for whatever it might be, your credit card bill payments. Or maybe there's a fundraiser that you guys are trying to get started and you need to approve X, Y, and Z so that you guys can put some money into that pipeline and get that fundraiser going. You know, whatever it might be, there, there's real reasons to establish a one-on-one -on -one standing meeting. I think especially this, in our part of the country, we're kind of in the Midwest here, there's a lot of rural parishes where there's one to five members on your staff this is not unrealistic for Father to have a one-on-one -on -one regular meeting with those five people. And that meeting might just be 15, 20, 30 minutes. You know? So you get to bigger parishes, and that, that's maybe a little harder to come by. But either way, if you're going to do this, it needs to be worth his time. Don't ask Father to sit down with you once a week and then show up unprepared and unsure what you're going to do. So if you're going to ask for this one-on-one -on -one meeting... You need to know the specific decisions, action items that you need to run by him. And in order to do this, you need to be prioritizing, organizing, and tracking your tasks. And don't, don't, don't waste his time because that's not going to serve you because he's going to go, what are, what are they doing here? Do they even know what they're doing? And if you show up and you don't know what you're doing, that's not a good relationship to build with your boss. So if you want a little tool to do that, you can go to catholicministryprofessionals.com slash resources. And we have a couple of tools that you can use to organize your thoughts, organize your work week. And it really is the only planner sheet you'll ever need. It's the one I used to manage everything that I did in ministry. What I would say is don't be that guy or gal that sits down or organizes a meeting that should have been an email. Please do not do that. 
So if you are going to set a one-on-one meeting, have it be valuable. Whether, so I always tell my team this, my sales team, if you're going to schedule something with somebody or call them, make sure you're bringing them value. So what is a value add to that conversation? Are you saving them time and are you saving them and or are you saving them money? So it could be, hey, you know, I don't want to keep bugging you about signatures for this form or a payment for this ministry or whatever. Or, hey, if we implement this, we can save you time every week, whether that's an hour, two hours or whatever. So we're saving money, we're saving time, we're adding value because of this meeting. I guarantee you that your pastor or your boss is going to want to attend those meetings. But adversely, if it's a meeting where literally you have no idea what you guys just talked about, and it was supposed to be a 15-minute meeting, and it ended up being a 25-minute meeting, and yet at the end of it, your boss is going, I have no idea what I just walked out of. He's not looking or she is not going to look forward to next week or next month's meeting. So be valuable to that meeting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. And under the, the final one, this third pillar of the framework, which I said what I wish I had done more was that I had prayed and fasted for my boss. And the reason for this is, is because sacrificing for another person transforms you in relationship to that other person. And so your, your pastor, he's not just a project for you to fix or to win over. He's a person, right? And you're called to love him and suffering for him. It, it, it guides our hearts to make sure that it's not just a utilitarian exercise in how can I use Father to achieve my ends that I want to achieve in my ministry. So just making sure that I'm not just using him, I'm partnering with him in the mission with Jesus, and I believe fasting for them, it's a great way to love them, it's a great way to support them, not just, yes, how are we partnering together in the work, but making spiritual warfare for him and on his behalf. And and it again, it does that same thing, that first pillar, the most important conversation that we ever have, the most important thing we do in our work is connect all of it back to God. So talk to God about it. If you want to grow grow closer to your pastor, if you want to build a better relationship with your boss, talk to God about it, right? I told the story of a, about the student last week, didn't love her sister, came in. I counseled her just to pray for her sister for her benefit and for God to transform her own heart towards her sister. And that's exactly what, what happened over time. C.S. Lewis has that great line, don't bother worrying about whether or not you actually love your neighbor. Act as if you do, and you will come to love your neighbor, right? So pray specifically for growth in, in love in this area. And, you know, also under this pillar, I, I probably, like I said, I should have learned how to do a proper presentation. That goes a long way. If Again, that value add. If you can show them A, B, C, and this is how this benefits you, this is how it makes us all better as a team, whatever that value add is. I mean, this would have helped me so many times along the way. And I, I think we'll probably do a podcast on this down the line, you know, just how to make a presentation that works or creates the change that you desire to see. How about we move on to devil's advocate? Uh, 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 uh. John, my boss won't ever commit to a regular one-on-one. So why bother? Who cares? It's not important to him. Uh, I'll manage. What say you? 
I get that. Honestly, that's entirely possible because pastors are crazy busy and they've got a million different people who want them for a million different things. But what I would say is that he might not commit to a regular one-on-one, but don't let that be a reason not to start with one of the other two, right? You're building a relationship here. You're not you're not tricking him into liking you. You're not you're not tricking him into spending time with you. You're trying to build a stronger working relationship here, a stronger professional relationship, a stronger rapport. And that might have to start on the on the spiritual side, right? Praying and fasting for him. Um, but but that said, I do have two other tips. If he can't won't do a one-on-one, you might need to just cultivate that relationship to the point where he he can see the value of meeting one-on-one, or you can find a way to communicate him your need for a one-on-one. So I, I do have those two tips, like I said. And, and the first of those is to ask him for a favor. And, and this comes from, uh, there's a great book I read a while back. It's called The, the Charisma Myth. It's by Olivia Fox Cabane. And, and it's all about endearing yourself to others, right? Kind of, again, building charisma, building a connection with other people and a rapport. So she tells a story about Benjamin Franklin. And and Benjamin Franklin, there was a, a particular senator, a representative that he needed in order to push some kind of policy through. And it was just one of those people that just, this person hated Ben Franklin. And so what Ben Franklin did one day is he, he tracked down this person and he said, hey, I was really hoping to read this book and I heard that you have a copy. Would it be okay if I borrowed it? And so this senator who hated Ben Franklin lent him the book. Ben Franklin goes, he reads it, he returns it back to him about a week later, says, hey, I had a chance to read that book. Thank you so much. This is kind of what I took from it. What do you think? And it was an opportunity to conversate. But what happened is it flipped the switch. And after that point, this senator who who had been um, just awful to Ben Franklin, who didn't like him, who was like openly... Um, openly aggressive towards him, like flipped the switch in his brain to where now they had this positive working relationship. They they got along well. I don't know that they ever became friends, but it, it flipped the switch where they were over able to overcome these uh, these natural um, differences that didn't allow them to get along. And and the reason that is is because subconsciously, what happens and what Ben Franklin knew is that if I can get someone to help me, right? If I'm helping someone, what I realize is that. They're not so bad. They're not so different from me, right? This is what happens in soup kitchens all the time. We serve people, and when we serve them, our hearts grow. And, and, and even if they're a repulsive person, we grow an ability to love them. So when he asked for the favor, it created this opportunity for this person who didn't like him to quote-unquote serve him in a way, which opened his heart to recognizing Ben Franklin for who what who he was as another person, just as a person that he could help. So subconsciously, if I'm helping someone, I begin to realize that they're not so bad. I begin to realize even that they're like me, and it opens my heart to them. So again, what what's that opportunity, right? If you want to build a rapport, to to find that that way that they can help you, right? And and that that can be a bridge to begin building a rapport, to kind of turn a corner. To, uh, to open up your dialogue in a new way. It, it also leads me in kind of that point you were making earlier, Ty. The next tip, just to be genuinely interested in your pastor. So many people just need the pastor to do something for them. So to stand out from that, to just be genuinely interested in him. 
right? Is he wearing his Led Zeppelin t-shirt? <laughs> hey, Father, do you actually like Led Zeppelin or did you just think that was a cool design? You know, and then maybe you take some time to look up some Led Zeppelin songs and um, had, you start a dialogue, you see where that conversation goes. Maybe he likes golf, you know, but either way, most most relationships start with some sort of mutual interest. Do you, like, Ty, do you remember how our friendship began? Ooh, that brings me back. <laughs> um, high School Musical. High School Musical, that's right. We were both in the musical together, just a local production of it. And I think you kind of got drug into it um, because you're an excellent dancer. I will say that it is, it is God, a God thing that I ended up in that musical because I remember you uh, intentionally creating that friendship. Because I remember we were leaving rehearsal one night and I was pulling away and you kind of waved me down. I rolled down my window. You're like, hey, we're going to back to my place to watch. I think it was a movie. There's just a group of, of cast members going back to watch. Um, I, I forget the movie. But I remember you just like flat out saying, hey, what's your number? But that's how that's how our friendship began. Yeah, that's how it started. And then it, it, it grew over time because we had shared interests and we were, oh, you like this kind of music. I like this kind of music. You know, we would make music videos together. You know, we'd lip sync to music videos. We'd, and we were into, you know, the performing arts, you know, and as, as we grew and as we matured, you know, there's kind of this awakening of, of faith and like, oh, you're really, you've got this thing going on inside your heart. You're pursuing God in this way. I am too. Like, let's do this together. And it's just continued to grow, you know, and as we've grown up as professionals and, in the working world, oh, like you're you're really striving to be excellent. I want to be excellent. And so it's just been this champion alongside each other. But it starts with that that bridge and it goes with that that mutual interest. So again, with your pastor, pay attention, learn something about him, you know, figure out if he's a Bears fan, if he likes to go surfing, maybe he's a bourbon guy, whatever it is, you can start building rapport, you know. And and one of the things that I do, like my wife and I just moved to a new community, and so everybody we meet in this past year, they're all new, and I can't keep that stuff in my brain. So write a note. Just keep track of things on your, on your phone so you can continue to build these reports. Um, you know, pay, pay attention to his schedule and notice, oh, I, I notice he's typically walking by my office at this point. I'm going to prepare for that time. And, and, you know, one thing I used to do when my wife and I were dating is I would I would literally Google discussion topics <laughs> so I'd have something to talk about with her. Be, be, and it might sound really nerdy, but she was really cute, is really cute. <laughs> oh, dang. Nice. Aim. But and, and I didn't want to be boring. You know, I wanted to be engaging. And so I would come I would Google search these things so I could hopefully be more engaging to her. You know, and, and that's just how how it works. Right. Again, reaching out to Ty like, hey, can I have your number? <laughs> You got to kind of be forward and you got to kind of keep track of these things and, and keep these all on the forefront so you can capitalize on opportunities for intentional conversations to build rapport. You know, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on this, Ty. In my mind, it's kind of the, this is the customer relations area of sales and just how you build that. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I don't know if you have any other kind of additional thoughts on what I'm saying, just for kind of tracking conversations and paying attention to people being genuinely interested in them. Yeah, I, what I like to do is I always like to task people with the things that we talk about. So a couple of things that you'd mentioned uh, initially. So the first thing is just asking for a simple favor. I like doing this in emails. So typically emails, you don't get a lot of, of response. 
There's no call to action. But the minute you add in your subject line, can you help me? Like all caps, legit, do this. In your next email that you need somebody to do something. In all caps, can you help me? And then in the body of the, the message, detail out what you need help with. And I can almost guarantee you, you'll get a response. I can't guarantee that they're going to help you directly in the, the way that you want them to, but they may have something that will lead you to the person that can help you. Or they'll say, nope, that's not something we, we do here, but maybe there's another company or an, another department that can do it. But I'm like 99% effective uh, when I use that subject line. So can you help me? Getting somebody to do you a simple favor, even if they hate your guts, like you were saying with the, the Ben Franklin story, like it's such a powerful thing. If you want to create friends, right? There's a book in front of me when you're talking about the Ben Franklin story. You can't see it because my screen's all blurred out, but it's how to win friends and influence people. It's such a timeless, classic book that everybody should read. And I've read it, I, I try to read it once every year, but it's so, so good in how we win friends and avoid making enemies. Now, the other thing you were talking about with, you know, doing your research or, or just taking notice, right? How many times do we go about our day where we don't even notice the people we're talking to? Just take a second and find something pleasing to say about somebody. In this book, in the chapter, it, it talked about, you know, um, Dale Carnegie is trying to, to build a relationship with somebody. And he's like, what, what can I find admirable about this person? And then tell it to them. In his example, he, he had um, talked to this guy and he's like, what do, like just in his mind, he's, he's trying to find something to talk about. He's like, man, he's got a good head of hair, right? For those, for the listeners, <laughs> uh, John and I lack in that department. Yeah. But he'd yeah. said to this guy, man, you've, you've just got a really nice head of hair. And he's like, yeah, it's not as good as it used to be. But he goes, no, 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 it's still a good head of hair, right? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But the guy's like, yeah, a lot of people do admire my hair. And that just started like this uh, friendship that turned into a business relationship. And there's nothing wrong with it. I use golf quite a bit because I, I know a lot of people enjoy golf. But I know a lot of people that would like to enjoy it more because they don't play enough to, to get good at it. Um, and I've always said that, you know, my, my skill set is in coaching. So I love coaching though. I may be an okay golfer. I'm a little bit better of a golf coach, um, in sales. I love coaching salespeople in everything. You know, I, I wrestled in high school, but I loved coaching wrestling. I coached my youngest nephew and he's, he turned out to be probably, I would say, arguably a better wrestler than I was in high school. Uh, not saying a whole lot, but he was better than what I was. We'll just put it that way. So how does it relate to just any of your customer relations? You know, if you have somebody that's really tough to deal with, find something to admire about them. Ask them for help. Ask them for a favor. Hey, I, I, I understand this is really frustrating for you, but can you do me a favor and just help me understand where you're coming from? As we're talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm kind of aware of that for the listeners, some of these tactics, they might, when we talk about tactics, right, or ways that we can kind of win friends, influence people, it, it might sound a little weird. It might even sound a little bit slimy, like, like not inauthentic. But the reality is that it, it's just very intentional. 
Uh, these are natural ways that we build any kind of relationship. That's again, whether it's friendship, dating, business, marriage, these are great ways to honor and, and reverence a person that is made in the image and likeness of God. So let's move on to just some actionable steps based off of these three things that we talked about, these three things that I wish I had done back in the day. And, and we're just going to take those three steps and you're going to plug them into your calendar. This is going to be one of the most effective ways that you bring about change, build freedom in your work, that you begin to do those new things that God is calling you to do is just to put them in your calendar. So that first one, refine your vision statement. Set a date or time period, especially as we're getting into the summer here. Set a time and put it in your calendar and just mark off that week like, hey, this week, I'm going to refine my vision statement so that I can tell everybody what God is calling us to do, what God is doing in our parish. Set that in your calendar. Then set a date so you can ask Father for that one-on-one meeting or even be bold at your next team meeting. Just kind of say, hey, Father, I would love it if we could have a team meeting, you know, a one-on-one meeting where we can discuss X, right? Just find those times, like actually put it in your calendar. Say, today I'm going to ask Father for this. And then the final one, begin fasting for your pastor. Or if you already have a fast, just add him into your normal fasting day as an additional petition. But to begin making intentional prayer, intentional fasting for him so that um, you can make that spiritual warfare on his behalf because they do carry heavy burdens. The, the devil hates our priests. And so if we can step into that gap for them and intercede for them, that's a very powerful thing as well. So put that in your calendar as well. Well, thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. And please, please, please give us some feedback either by submitting an honest review on your podcast app, or you can email us directly at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.